Good morning. Last Sunday after church, I was looking forward to going home and just having a real mellow afternoon. It was the 4th of July weekend. My wife Donna was in Mexico serving on the cooking team for the high school mission trip. My son's doing a summer semester abroad in Denmark, so I was going to take my dog for a long walk at the Wachung Reservation and then just kind of watch some golf or maybe a movie on Netflix. Just kind of mellow out for the afternoon. But as I reached my back door, I noticed that the curtain rods on the door had all fallen down, and that's not really normal. And when I got inside, I knew right away that my dog had had some kind of a problem. I don't know if he ate a chipmunk or got into some garbage, but something went wrong with his digestive tract. And even though I had walked him earlier that morning, he just pooped all over the kitchen and the TV room. And that was just nasty. And then I walked into the living room. Pooped all over that too. And then the dining room, same thing. In fact, the only room he didn't hit was the bathroom. So my dreams of a mellow afternoon just kind of went right out the window. And I spent the afternoon as a carpet cleaner. And there's just a certain vocabulary that seems to be appropriate for moments like that. Sentence enhancers, you might say. And typically as a pastor, the most satisfying words are generally not available to me. At least not in public. And if you ask most people, I think that they would say that that's what this third of the Ten Commandments is all about. Bad language, swearing. And you know what? They'd be wrong. This commandment that we're looking at today is about so much more than that. So let me read from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and then a few related passages from the New Testament. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord through the glory of God the Father. Amen. I'm going to say a name. And I just want you to think of the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay? Jeter. Clinton. Pepsi. Kardashian. Apple. Names are much more than just a way of finding someone or something on your search engine. Names mean something. They symbolize something about a person or a company, their reputation, their character, their ethos. You see, there's a certain power in names that really touches us where we live. Names can be used positively to stimulate a child's self-image. Way to go, slugger. Or they can be used to ridicule, embarrass, and disrespect someone. Loser, jerk. Names rightly used protect and uplift and honor. Names wrongly used can damage and even devastate. Positively or negatively, names carry feeling and meaning and identity. How many of you parents, when you were picking names for your children, you consciously avoided using a certain name because it reminded you of someone who was not what you wanted your child to be? You know, I've never met a girl named Jezebel or a boy named Judas. You know, name-calling is almost a form of verbal abuse that can be rampant in families and schools, in politics. And the misuse of names just dumps a lot of ugliness into relationships. It's hard to get over it if you've been called some demeaning name. 
it rings in your ears. Even if the person apologizes, you can still hear that. Maybe that's why God takes his name so seriously. Most of the time, people connect this commandment with swearing. God this or Jesus Christ that. It's probably the most common way people think about misusing the Lord's name. And that is an important part of it. Don't misunderstand. God does want us to examine our speech and in one sense get our mouths out of the gutter. We can see that throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, as followers of Jesus are challenged to honor Christ by how we speak. Like Ephesians 4.29 where Paul says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. And so the words we choose and how we speak, that is part of our witness for Christ. The late Colonel Sanders, you know, fried chicken fame, once said that when he converted to Christ, it cost him half his vocabulary. People around you are listening and watching and evaluating your speech and your actions, and they're checking to see if your faith makes any difference in your life. So you should guard your mouth. And we have to admit that there's been a real decline in public language over the last couple of decades. What people say in public and social media and what we consider to be entertainment, it has changed so much since the days of the kind of a, the shocking days of Lenny Bruce and George Carlin when they first started dropping the F-bomb in their comedy acts. The average R-rated movie today has some kind of profanity in the dialogue every 32 seconds. The most profane movie is The Wolf on, of Wall Street. Uses the F word 569 times or once every 3.1 seconds. Can you imagine being the person who wrote that script? I mean, what a sad career is that? It's so common, nobody's shocked anymore. We've grown numb to it. Celebrities have to use profanity publicly in order to get their words bleeped, create controversy just so that they can get more media attention. If somehow magically we could instantly stop people from using God's name as a swear word, swear word, a lot of people wouldn't know how to form a sentence. Taking God's name and putting it on the same level as other vulgar words, that is an insult to God. So why do people do it? Mainly, it's a lack of emotional control. As kids, people start thinking that their raw language is going to impress others. They think they're hot stuff and real rebels, you know, if they talk that way with their friends. And then it just becomes a habit. Any idiot can swear. It takes no intellect, no IQ, no education. I mean, you can teach a parrot to swear. It doesn't show maturity. Being vulgar doesn't show manliness for men. It doesn't show liberation for women. How many of you, when you were kids, ever got your mouths washed out with soap because of you were expanding your vocabulary? Well, the problem is that doesn't work because the problem's not in the mouth. The problem is in the heart. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the mouth speaks out of what fills the heart. So what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Whatever is on the inside of you is what is going to come out of you, especially when the world puts on the pressure. If I'm filled with anxiety and tension and turmoil and fear and anger and bitterness, when the world turns up the pressure, that's what's going to come out of me. It's like squeezing a tube of toothpaste. The toothpaste inside is what's going to come out. When I'm filled with love and peace and the world turns on the pressure, then that's what's going to come out. Swearing is just a symptom that there is turmoil in the person's heart. And that squeeze is enough of the pressure is applied so that it comes out. Ultimately, the only way to clean up your language is to have a change of heart. Jesus can do that. But you see, 
God does take his name seriously. His name is sort of like his trademark, and just like any company trademark, I mean, what would happen if I took a cup of water, added some caramel coloring to it, and dumped in some sugar, and then slapped a Coca-Cola label on it, tried to sell it? Well, I'd get sued. A trademark means that the name of the soda is the sole property of the company. They own the name and all rights to its use. Think of Psalm 8, verse 1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God has a majestic name, an excellent name, so let's not smear it. His name represents his character, his authority, his very person. God says, take my name seriously. This commandment might be rewritten, don't trash talk the name of God. Don't treat him like dirt. God says, don't patronize me, don't misuse me, don't take me for granted. Take my name seriously. Joy Davidman writes that the third commandment is like the warning sign you see around power plants. Danger, high voltage. The ancient Hebrews seemed to have thought of God's name almost literally as a live wire. The ancient Hebrews went to such extremes in honoring the name of God. When the, the scribes were copying the scripture, every time they would encounter a name of God, they would rise from their work table, go, to the, go and wash, and often change their clothes. They would pick up a new quill that had never been used before, and then proceed to write the name of God, and then throw that pen away. This they would do every time, sometimes up to three times in a single verse. That's how respected and revered the name of God used to be. Treat his name with utmost respect. Use it carefully. Use it lovingly. Use it as an act of worship. Did you know that one of the most common text messages sent today is OMG? That expression, it's just an impulsive response, but it's, it's the second way, most common way people think of this commandment uh, or break this commandment, through flippant language. Not trying to make God's name into a curse, but just slipping it in without thinking. It's frivolous, with no thought behind it. And this just doesn't apply to text messages. People of all ages unconsciously use God's name flippantly. Did you know that you can worship flippantly? You can misuse God's name while you're in church. Have you ever sung a song about Jesus Christ and you didn't think about the words at all because your mind was like a million miles away? Your heart's not there? You're just going through the motions? Well, you see, that cheapens God's name or God's actions, that kind of flippant usage. Something half-hearted, when the name of Christ becomes routine, that's a problem. To take God's name in vain means to use God's name carelessly. Like so many stupid Christian bumper stickers, you know, God is my co-pilot. That just means God is your mascot. Or the t-shirt I once saw being sold at a Christian rock concert that had a graphic of Jesus dying on the cross and the words were a takeoff on a Budweiser beer ad. This blood's for you. That's not a witness for Christ. That just cheapens Christ's sacrifice, you know, when it's made into a slogan like that. Whatever we use his name without thinking, like you're in a hurry for dinner and so you pull out the standard mealtime prayer and you pray it without meaning. We've all done that. But that is misusing the Lord's name. You see, this should bother us when we do it, when we hear others do it. We should feel something when God's name is used as a swear word or when it's used flippantly. If challenged, someone might respond, well, I didn't mean anything by it. And that's the point exactly. You didn't mean anything by it. His name is holy, and you're using it as a throwaway. 
If God is near to you, if Jesus Christ is precious to you, if you know that he redeemed you and you love him, then it should bother you when his name is misused. If someone used your wife's name that way, or spoke about your child that way, or somebody ridiculed the name of your best friend, your love for that person means you would have to say something about it. At the very least, you'd walk away from the conversation. You wouldn't just sit there in silence and let your loved one's name be dragged through the mud. Maybe you'd protest and ask them not to speak that way in your presence. But Jesus' name is blasphemed all the time, and Christians say nothing. Shame on us for letting that happen. I want to challenge you to speak up when someone misuses Christ's name in your presence. You can't do this with strangers, obviously, but I'm talking about people maybe who are around you, who are close to you, that you might have to actually confront them about this issue. And tactfully, you can do it. You can do it gently because your goal is not to condemn them, but to influence them positively for Christ. But you can do it because his name means something to us. Well, okay, here's the most damaging way I think God's name is misused. The most serious mistake is fake language. Not fake news, fake language. When God's name is used falsely. And some people, mainly Christians, are pros at this. They say, God told me. God told me this or God told me that. God told me what you should do. I've heard that a few times. I'm very cautious when I hear someone use that phrase. Too often I think they are claiming God's name on something that simply isn't true. They use God's name to justify their own actions or their own inner impressions. They use God's name to justify what they've already decided to do anyway. It would be better if people just said, I think God is leading me, or, or I believe the Holy Spirit is guiding me to X, Y, Z. But saying, God told me, you know, that's claiming to have some direct revelation from God. And so there are a lot of spiritual forgers in the world. Forgery is when you use someone else's name to get what you want. It's kind of uh, divine identity theft. During last year's election season, I I just start to feel ill every time I hear a politician say, God bless you and God bless America. Every candidate gets religious during an election season. And there's no way to know how sincere their faith may or may not really be. They were all out there using God's name. But it doesn't matter how many times you repeat the name of Christ, it can still be an act of forgery. In Matthew 15, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah. He said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. A few years ago, I got a series of nasty phone calls from a debt collection agency demanding that I pay up on some overdue college student loans. Turns out there was a different Jeff Ebert out there with a different social security number and a different birthday who attended a school I never went to, but somehow my name got confused with his. And that's what can happen with God's good name as well. In the Old Testament, if someone claimed to speak for God and what they said turned out to be false, do you know what happened to that person? They were stoned to death because they falsely claimed the name of God for themselves. I wonder what would happen if we introduced that standard today. People would be a lot more careful about what they say. Here's the bottom line. The response God desires from us is not some new form of legalism about using his name. The response he desires isn't legalism, but love. What we begin to appreciate all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, you're going to want to love him more. And if you love him, 
you'll begin to cherish his name. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. It's a power for victory. Listen to what teenage David said as he approached Goliath. He said, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. That's 1 Samuel 17.45. God's name is a tool for healing. As Peter approached the temple in Acts 3.6, he saw this beggar and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus rise and walk. God's name is the tool of salvation. 1 John 5.13, John writes, I write these things so that you might believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know him and have eternal life. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is fine in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. His name has the power of life itself. John says it in Gospel, it's Gospel chapter 20, verse 31. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. could go on and on, on and on. There are hundreds of names for the Lord in Scripture. Each one describes a way in which God can bless your life. You see, that's why God wants us to take his name so seriously. He gives to you all that is in every one of his names. That's his gift to you, to lift you up, to provide for your welfare. That's why Jesus said you could call God your father, because you're part of his family and his name now belongs to you. You've been brought into the family of God and all his names are now your names. You have the blessing of all of God's names on your life. So cherish them. We need to appreciate all the benefits we receive from the names of God. And so we should love his names with all our hearts. Isaiah writes, your name and your renown are my heart's desire. Isaiah 26, 8. You belong to a someone. God becomes your father. You're adopted as a son or daughter. He's your provider, teacher, healer, defender, encourager, restorer, deliverer, redeemer. Your relationship with him is described through his names. And so when you honor the name of God, you're actually bringing honor to yourself. And when you dishonor God's name, you dishonor yourself and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love God's name. Hallow God's name. Some of you are saying, you know, I have to admit I've got a bad mouth. Under pressure, when I get squeezed, the wrong stuff comes out. Well, you need to ask for, commit for forgiveness and commit that, that your life would belong to Jesus. To give him the whole thing so that he can give you that new heart and help change what's inside. Another thing, I know a family who decided to work on this together. They had a swear jar. Anytime someone used those sentence enhancers, they put a dollar in the jar. And so they held each other accountable. But just remember that he is with you all the time. So when you realize that you are never without God's presence, you become a lot more disciplined in your speech because he hears it all. Ask him to help you, and he will. All the names of God describe your relationship with him as, your son, as his son or daughter. So cherish God's name as your own. Let's pray together. Lord God, it is so precious that we can call you Father. Lord Jesus, it's so deeply moving that we can call you our Savior and Lord, Lord. And we just confess and ask forgiveness for the many times where we have misused your name, used it as a swear word, used it flippantly, used it fakely. Lord, in any way that we have brought dishonor to you, we want to repent of that now. And we want to be people who, who grace others through our speech, who build them up and not tear them down. Help us to model
the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus and to be able to share with others through just the way that we speak the love and the grace that you've given to us. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.